Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for such a powerful time of worship. Thank you, Father God, that we can still have the opportunity to worship you in our hearts, worship you in our homes, give you praise, glory, and honor, Father God. We thank you, Jesus, that today on Easter Sunday, we say thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done for us. Thank you for that cross. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you, Jesus, that we owe our lives to you, Father God, that we just want to say thank you. We just want to say we worship you. We praise you. We bless you, Lord Jesus Christ, today. So we thank you, Father God, for the word. May you use me as a vessel, Lord Jesus Christ, to bring the word of God into our hearts and home. Holy Holy Spirit, we give you permission today to speak to us, to change us from the inside out, Father God, to saturate our homes and the four walls of our homes right now. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that today we say all praise, all glory, and all honor goes to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, church. Hallelujah. Happy Easter. Blessed Easter. Today is Easter Sunday. Do you know that today is such a such an important milestone in our faith that it is because of today that we have our faith, because of today that differentiates our faith from every other faith. It is because of today that we have victory in Jesus Christ. So I want us all to get excited right now. I want us all in our spirits to just leap for joy, to be grateful to Jesus, to thank Him, to say hallelujah. So if you resonate with me, type it in the chat, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Blessed Easter. Amen. If you are watching from your homes right now, can you give a high five to your family, to your friends? If you're in a watch party, say blessed Easter and, and you know, give everybody a smile that we are, you know, we are victorious in Jesus. We've got joy in Jesus Christ. I know we're not physically in church, but I want us all to just, you know, get that feel of church within us right now. So I hope we're all happy. I hope we're all excited for the Word of God. Oh, excited for Easter. Hallelujah. You know, today, my name is uh, uh, Pastor Isaac. I'm one of the pastors here in SIBKL. And it is my great honor and privilege to bring the Word of God that uh, my sermon today is entitled, The Roar of Resurrection. The Roar of Resurrection. You know, when we hear the word roar, we, we think of the, why well, I hope that all of us would think of one animal, which is the lion. You know, it really makes the lion distinct. It, it makes the lion different from a lot of the other animals. You don't hear a uh, bunny rabbit, roar, right? So it's a lion that roars. And today I want to talk a little bit about uh, the distinctiveness and the unique features of lions and how we can apply the, the narrative of a lion and merge it with the narrative of Good Friday, Saturday, and Easter Sunday. So here's one of the did you know facts about lions. Did you, do you know why lions have a mane? Just think about it. So I'm going to give you like, just think about it. Why do lions have a mane? Tell us in the, in the chat what, what you think. Here, here are some of the reasons. Do you know that um, lion, young male lions will grow a mane, but as they grow older, their manes will grow bigger? So you can kind of tell the age of a lion by the size of their mane. So the older you get, the, the larger your mane. Did you also know that the older the lion is, the darker the color of the mane, which means that when you're younger, you, you know, you have a lighter mane, darker, you have a, you have a darker mane. That's interesting. But yes, some of you may have already guessed the mane is there to give a sign of 
dominance. The, hey, you know, I am the alpha of the pride. Uh, look at my mane. I am in charge of this place. Don't mess with me. I've got a mane, right? But I also recently found out that, and I found this interesting, that a mane, it, it serves as also like a, it serves like a defensive mechanism for the lion, which means that it kind of, it kind of protects the lion from the attack on the lion's juggler. You can't quite tell where the lion's juggler is, right? Because there's a huge mane that guards it. So the bigger the mane, you can't, you can't, you don't really know where to swipe and where to go for a, a lion's neck. So you could, you could miss, and if you miss, then I could, you know, counterattack you with another swipe and, and then you lose, right? So I, I thought that was very interesting because then I thought that's kind of why I myself am growing a mane. Well, at least what, what looks like a mane to me, right? I'm trying my best to grow a mane because I've got a 10th month old baby and somehow God gave him retractable fingernails. Um, so even though my wife, uh, she cuts, she cuts the nails, but somehow with his retractable fingernails, he, he manages to claw my face all the time, which is why you see all the marks. Uh, um, you claw my neck all the time. So I'm hoping that my mane, my beard will be able to protect me from the clutches of my baby. But that's interesting. Now I've got a few more interesting facts about lions as I move along. But I want us all to know that the narrative or the analogy of the lion is not foreign to the Bible, which means there are about 130 to 150 times in the Bible that talks about the virtues or the characters of a lion, right? Uh, um, which means that the lions prowl, the lions roar, the lions will dominate, the, the lions will guard its territory, the lions will devour its enemies, the lion will come and attack you, the lion would weigh, lay in wait before it attacks you. So the Bible refers to the virtues and the characters of a lion to describe uh, um, people to describe God. And interestingly, it also describes Satan. You see, in the Bible, in, in, in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, Satan is described as a roaring lion. Let me read it for you. Um, 1 Peter 5 verse 8, it says, um, Be self-controlled and alert. So us, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So we all know that the purpose of the enemy, the purpose of Satan is to kill us, to destroy us and to steal from us. Now it says here that he's like a roaring lion ready to devour us, ready to destroy us. So when you see a lion, you see if you're, you're fearful of it, you're scared of it, the enemy is exactly the same. It's lying in wait to devour you. But it also says, God is like a lion. Do you know in all the 130 to about 150 times the, the, the word lion is mentioned in the Bible, there is only one time that God describes Jesus as a lion. Where, does it, where is it found? Incidentally, we're starting the book of Revelations and it's found in the book of Revelations, chapter five, verse five. Let me, let me read that uh, for you. Then one of the elders said to me, so now, I don't want to go into the whole scroll and the lamb and all the seals and everything. So I'm cutting sh the story short because it's not about revelations. It's about the lion now, right? Um, then one of the elders said to me, me being John, the author, the author of Revelation, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David. See, in all the lion narrative in the whole entire Bible, it always talks about the characters of a lion. But this one time, 
Jesus is called by the title of a lion. He's called the Lion of Judah. What makes him special? Who, what makes him like a lion? And why Judah? Let's find out, right? Um, so today, in the narrative of Easter, I wanna, I wanna draw three big points and I want to go into the chronology of Easter, what leads up to Easter, which is my point one, which is Dark Friday, point two, Silent Saturday, and point three, the roar on Sunday. And I want to talk uh, via the lens of a lion. Is that okay? So I, I did a lot of reading about lions, and I, I personally found it very interesting. So I hope you, you do as well. You see, uh, point number one, Dark Friday. Did you know that lions hunt mostly at night. At the end of the day, I had, I had no idea that lions actually hunt at night most of the time. Do you know why? Because it is said that the lion's eye is six times better than a human's eye. Six times. And I'm not talking about a human's eye that needs glasses, okay? This is a perfect human eye, and the lion's eye, the lion's vision is six times better, which means that the lion has the propensity to see better at night. Did you know that um, there, if, if you, I'm gonna show you a picture of a lion and there is a, there is a white strip uh, uh, underneath a lion's eye, all right? So it's not, it's not bags, the lion sleeps 20, 20 hours a day, so it is not deprived of sleep. It's not his bag, but there's a white stripe. It is said that at night, when the moon comes out or the star comes out, that white strip helps the lion reflect all the light from the moon and the star and its surrounding to go into the retinas of the lion so that it can give lion uh, superb night vision so that it can hunt at night. The reason why it hunts at night is because the animals, the, its prey, aren't able to see the predator. You can't see the predator. And it also is said that most of the time, lions would choose to hunt in a storm. So that not only you cannot see your predator, you can't hear your predator coming. coming. So if you are a prey, and if you are a lonely uh, antelope uh, in the savannah, right? You're sleeping alone, you thought you're having a good night in, in the rain and the storm, and boom, suddenly you are uh, a meal for the pride of lions. And it got me thinking, it's interesting that on Friday, when Jesus gave his life on that cross, do you remember the narrative? When he breathed his last breath, there was darkness in the land. There was a storm. There was darkness in the land because when he breathed his last breath, the enemy thought he had won. There was darkness in the land, which means the enemy thought that, hey, I've won this battle and now I'm here to devour the, the whole earth. I'm here to take over the earth and kill, steal and destroy every single human that I can find. You know, in this, in this whole 2020, 2020 or 2021, some of us, or at least most of us, we would feel like we are in a perpetual storm that has not ended. We, we feel like, from last Easter to this Easter, we're in perpetual darkness. And we, we have not seen the light of the tunnel. We don't know where it is. We can't see, is the light of the tunnel there or here or there? We can't see because we're in, we're in darkness. And Satan is like a roaring lion that hunts at night. That in your darkness and in your storm, Satan comes up to say, hey, you are not loved by God. Hey, God has abandoned you. Hey, God has died and he has forgotten you. Hey, you are not cherished. You are not cared. You don't have a father in heaven. You don't have a king that, that will protect you. 
from the ways of this world. But hey, I am here to devour you. That's Satan on Good Friday. He's probably there in a corner laughing. He's probably there in a corner rejoicing that he feels that he has victory over us. But what does the Word of God say in your darkness from the last Easter to this Easter? If you feel like you've been in a perpetual storm, and all of us, in one way or another, have been hit on different sides because of this whole pandemic, whether it's your job or family or health or friends or inconvenience or whether it's your business, we've all been hit one way or another. It could be your marriage, it could be your children. What is Jesus saying? That Jesus is also a lion. And Jesus say, Christians, my family, my children, it may be dark, but Psalms 119 verse 105 says, the word of God, it's like a lamp onto my feet, a light onto my path. And this is my oath and I confirm it that I will follow your righteous laws. Let me say it again. Your word or God is like a lamp onto my feet, which means that I can't see in the natural, but because your word lives within me, it is like a lamp onto my feet, a light onto my path. It illuminates where I'm actually supposed to go because the Bible says that I will not walk by sight and I will walk by faith. In that darkness, on that cross when Jesus died on Good Friday, God says, my word has been fulfilled. You now have the living word that lives inside of you. It is finished. All the prophecies, all the declarations, all the claims, all the promises in the Bible came to pass on that cross. It is finished. God says, I live with you now. I am with you now. That even though you cannot see in the natural, even though you may be in a perpetual storm, a perpetual darkness of your life, the word of God lives within you. And it's all right. You don't need to see how many thousands of paths you have out there. All you need to see is the one path that God has for you. And if and only if that you take that oath and confirm it, that I will follow His righteous laws, the laws that is the Word of God. The Word of God lives in us. That's the difference. Do you see? There's another characteristic of a lion. You know that lion hunts in a pride? Yeah, pride is like, a, is like a word that describes a group of lions. It could be a group of 15 lions to about 40 lions. It really depends on the, the size of a pride. Um, so lions hunt in a pride. And I didn't know, well, I just recently found out that when lions or lionesses hunt, each lion have a different role when they hunt. It's very interesting in the animal kingdom, right? So the, the heaviest of the lion or the lioness would play the center role, which means that I'm the center and every, every other, the, the more leaner, the faster, the, maybe the younger lions would play the wingmen, right? So they would, they would try to corner the animals, uh, uh, who, the, the prey, whoever it is, try to corner them uh, uh, to make sure that the animal would, would, would land at the center lion and the center lion would go for the jugular or go for the tail. And it, because it's very heavy, because it's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it has it's self-esteem weight issues, that lion. No, I'm just kidding, right? So it's the heaviest lion in the pack, right? So he would bite on the, the prey and he wouldn't let go and the prey would not be able to run away and then everybody else would converge and then jump and then uh, dinner is served. I didn't know that, that there's a center lion and there are wingmen because lions hunt as a pride. They're not strong as an individual. They're strong as a pride. 
Do you know in my second point on Saturday, when Good Friday passed, I want you to imagine you were there physically with Jesus. You, you, are, you expected Him to be your Savior. You expected Him to be your Messiah. You expected Him to save you. But He died on that cross. You saw Him die on that cross. Then you expect Him to rise again. You expect Him to do something miraculous. But on Saturday, nothing happened. There was absolute silence. It was almost as if heaven was closed. It's pin drop silence. You, you go back home, you're discouraged. You're disappointed. Maybe you're even disillusioned. Did I even believe in the right Jesus? Disillusioned, you're discouraged. I don't know what to do. What do I do with my faith now? Some of us are in that stage where we see the storm. We experience the darkness. We cry for help from heaven, but it seems like heaven is closed. There's no answer from heaven. And, and all we can do is we sit in the silence of the Saturday and we're discouraged. Some of us are disillusioned and some of us are very disappointed in life, in the church, in our faith, disappointed with God. God, what is going on? And it is in that moment that the enemy, like a roaring lion, hunts in a pride. It will, you see, the enemy will always go, not for the animals that is together. It will always hunt the lone animal. It always hunt the weakest animal. It doesn't matter, like, it, it, it doesn't have, like, if you're a baby giraffe, all right, I, I won't touch you, I'll leave you alone. I'm sympathetic to your cause, all right, go be with your mother. No, if you're a baby giraffe and you can't keep up with your mother, I will kill you first. It will kill the weakest, it will kill the injured, it will kill the person lagging behind. And it is in this moment that the devil says, I've thrown storms in your way, I've thrown darkness in your way, now you're discouraged, now you're disappointed, now you're disillusioned, now I'm going to find the weakest person in the crowd and I'm going to throw temptations, I'm going to throw temptations, and I'm going to throw people in your way to discourage you. I'm going to throw words. I'm going to make your business harder. I'm going to make your family tougher. I'm going to make your life tougher. I'm going to throw this and this all in the name of killing and stealing and destroying your faith so that you will disavow our Jesus Christ. And that's how he hunts. And that's, that's, the, that's like a tactic of the enemy. He won't, he won't just come at you one-on-one. -on -one. He would use your friends. He would use maybe even the church. He would use your parents. He would use your business. He would use your boss. He would use your finances. He would use your health. He would use your storms. He would use your country. He would use anything that he can use in order to distract you from Jesus Christ. And we've, sometimes we've allowed ourselves to be discouraged and we give in to the enemy. But there's a flip side. You see, we are also like cubs with our father lion, we're like cubs. We're strong in a pride as well. We must not forget that even in the silent Saturday, God is still with us. God has given us the Holy Spirit because of that cross and resurrection. God has given us the Holy Spirit to reside in us, to comfort us, to encourage us, to give us hope to give us strength. And I want to proclaim into your life, if you are feeling discouraged, disappointed, and disillusioned with your faith right now, can I say to you, Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, do not fear. 
because your God, your Lord is with you. Do not be discouraged because He is your God. He will strengthen you and He will uphold you with His righteous and mighty and courageous and victorious right hand that He is with you. Make sure that you're always within the pride. Don't go solo. Remember what's the vision of 2021? In SIBKL, remember what our senior pastor, Pastor Chu said? That one of our vision is to connect, to connect, to connect. It says, together we overcome. It is not individually we overcome. It is not by yourself we overcome. It is together we overcome. And how do we be together? We need to connect with each other, connect with Christ, and connect with the community. You see, it says in Hebrew chapter 10. Can I just flip it? Hebrews chapter 10 uh, verse 24 uh, to 25 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Even if we cannot meet physically, let us meet, meet online. There is this miracle called technology, called Zoom, called, called WhatsApp, called uh, 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 YouTube. And we can meet online. Meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I want to encourage all of us. As the enemy hunts us as a pride, we need to stick together as a pride. We are stronger and we are better together. And sometimes when, when we're discouraged, we, we may be the injured one. I may be the injured one, but as long as I got my brothers as long as I got my colleagues, as long as I got my family together with me and I open up to them and I say, I'm, I'm in this vulnerable state of life. Can you pray for me? Can you watch my back so that there are no arrows that are shot at me? Can you pray for me so that if the enemy comes to attack me from behind, that you will be there as my vanguard. You will be there to protect me. Will you pray with me? And all the more important, will you tap on the reason why we have Easter? the Holy Spirit that resides in you, that your strength come from within, that you draw all the more towards Jesus Christ, even if heaven is silent on Saturday and say, Jesus, I will hold on to you. I will hold on to you. I will be faithful to you. I will be loyal to the word of God all the days of my life because I know that the roar of Sunday is coming. My third point, there is a war on Sunday. And when Sunday came, this time, there is no tactic of the enemy. Satan, the roaring lion, lost. He whimpers, he retreats because he's lost the battle. He, he's a loser on Sunday. And the only thing that's left is the lion of Judah that roars on our behalf. So if you're, you're going through a Friday, you're going through the dark Friday, you're going through a silent Saturday, don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed because there is a Sunday ahead of you and the line of Judah roars. I wanna ask a question. Why do you think Jesus is called the Lion of Judah? Why can't he be the Lion of David? You know, David's a great king. Or, or why can't he be the Lion of Solomon? Solomon's also one of the great, greater kings. Why can't he be like the line of Paul, you know, right? Or the line of Abraham, I, Isaac, the line of Jacob, you know, the, 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 the three founding fathers of our, of, of our faith. Why? Why is it the tribe of Judah? Very interestingly, I want to go back all 
As, you know, as I anchor this whole thing in the book of Revelation chapter 5, the answer for why Jesus is the Lion of Judah can only be found in the book of Genesis, all the way at the very beginning. So allow me to tell you a story before I close um, my sermon, if that's okay. You know, I pull from the story of Genesis 30 to 50. So I'm going to tell you 20 chapters in hopefully the next five minutes. So I encourage you if, you, if you like the story and if you're curious to some of the details that I've missed out because I can't tell the whole thing, I encourage you on this Easter Sunday, pick up your Bible. Um, if you don't have a physical one, there's an app. Um, download it and turn to Genesis. If you can read 50 chapters, great. If not, read Genesis 30 to 50. And I draw from four main characters here. There's a father and his name is Jacob. And Jacob has 12 sons. All right, 1, 2, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And I want to focus on the fourth son. Now, his fourth son, his name is Judah. You guessed it. That's where uh, the line of Judah comes from. I also want to focus on the 11th son. His 11th son, his name is Joseph. And then, of course, on the 12th son, his name is Benjamin, or as I like to call it, Benjamin. Okay, uh, so there's four characters, the father and the three sons. Now, this father, Jacob, he loves all 12, I believe, but he has two favorite sons, his last two. He pays special attention, special, uh, uh, he has a special eye, he has a special favor, special uh, twinkles. So I believe that this Jacob, he loved Joseph and he loved Benjamin with all his heart. And what does he do for the other 10 brothers? As you read in the story, the other 10 brothers were jealous. They were envious. How is it, I'm the eldest. I work in the fields. And my father prefers the youngest. And my father prefers this person who, who can't even labor. And if you read the story, Joseph, Joseph is always at home, right? And then Jacob has to tell Joseph, Joseph, why don't you go to the fields and go and call on your brothers? Please go to the field and call on your brothers. And this, and this Joseph, he's, he's also asking for it. He, he would go and he would brag and he would say, you know, my father favors me. Look, I know I've got dreams of dreams. Look, you know, I'm the, I'm the favored one. And he would, he would, he would, he would, there's this envy and this jealous, the spirit of jealousy that would rise in the 10 brothers. And one day, as Joseph was coming to the field to greet his brothers, the people that are closest, your family members, the 10 brothers said, why don't we kill this Joseph? You see, you're so blinded by jealousy and pride. And they says, why don't we kill this, this brother of ours, this Joseph? And then this Judah, Judah says in, in Genesis 37 verse 26 to 27. He says something quite crucial. He says this, <clears throat> Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. Now this Judah says, what do we gain if we have to kill this guy? Let me be selfish. I want to profit from his from, from, from his life. I want to get money from his life. There's, now there's not only a spirit of jealousy, there's not only a spirit of murder, there's also a spirit of greed that comes into all the 10 brothers. So what they did is they sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites and the Ishmaelites were, uh, resided in Egypt and Joseph went to Egypt. I just wanted you to feel on behalf of Joseph, put yourself in his shoes and say, hey, the people that are supposed to love me, the people that are supposed to, to that I'm supposed to trust, that my family members sold, you betrayed me. How are you supposed to feel? But God was with Joseph. When Joseph experienced Dark Friday, when Joseph experienced Silent Saturday, 
he knew that God was with Joseph. And cut the long story short, Joseph became the second from slave to become the second most powerful man in Egypt. Now, by divine appointment, there was a famine in the land, right? And Egypt being the most powerful civilization at that point, the world's superpower, they had all the food and all the grain and all the money, right? So there's this family, the 10 brothers or the 11 brothers left with the father, Jacob. And then Jacob said, hey, I think you guys need to go to Egypt and go get food because if you don't get food, we're gonna die. And cut the long story short again, Benjamin, the favorite son of Jacob, because Joseph to him has died. Benjamin had to go along. And Jacob said, no, 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 I, I, can't, I can't release Benjamin because I've already lost Joseph. Now if I lost, lose Benjamin, you know, I, I'm gonna grieve my entire life. My heart cannot take it. Now put yourself in his shoes. The love of a father for a son. No, no, you cannot take Benjamin. And this is quite crucial. This is what Judah said. Judah said, you, we have to go with Benjamin, otherwise we will have no food. And this is what Jacob said and how he convinced Jacob to let Benjamin go. He said this, from selfishness, he turned his life around to selflessness. He said, Genesis uh, uh, 43, verse eight to 10. Then Judah said to Israel, Israel, Jacob, his father, send the boy along with me and we will go at once so that we and you and our children may live and not die. It's crucial. I myself will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for Benjamin. If I do not bring him back to you and set him here before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. See, from Judah betraying a brother, I think in all those years, God turned his life around and says, look, God did a work on Judah. And Judah turned from selfishness to selflessness. And now Judah says, I will bear the responsibility for my brother and I will bring him back. So they went to, to, to Egypt. Now, Joseph being the most, the second most powerful man, they didn't know Joseph was their brother, right? They thought Joseph probably died or is still a slave. Now, Joseph set up a test, a fake test to see if his brothers would still betray another brother or the brothers had learned their lesson. And he set up the fake test and he purposely let Benjamin fail. And then he said to the brothers, your brother must now stay with me in prison. All of you go back to your father. And then Judah stepped up before the second most powerful man in Egypt. And he could have lost his life. And this is what Judah said. <clears throat> Genesis 44, verses 32 to 34. Judah told Joseph, your servant, Judah, guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to my father, I will bear the blame before my father all my life. Now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that will come upon my father. Judah, he bore responsibility for Benjamin. And when the rubber hits the road, when it's crunch time, Judah said, take me instead of him. Judah pledged his life instead of his brother. I would stay as a slave, let them go home. Why is Jesus called the Lion of Judah? 
If, you, if you're following me very closely, you would know exactly where I'm going. Because God, our Father, looked at the world and He saw the world in sin. He saw every single human being fallen. And He says, I am going to lose all my sons and daughters. I'm going to lose all my children. How can it be? And then Jesus, God's only one and begotten Son, stepped up. And Jesus said exactly what Judas said. God, Father, I pledge my life for the safety of all the people on earth. I pledge my life. I will give up my life in exchange for theirs so that they can come home into the arms of the Father. That's Good Friday. And the difference between Judah and Jesus is that when, when Joseph heard Judah said those words, he knew that Judah's heart has changed from selfish to selfless. And he said, I'm Joseph, I am your brother, I embrace you now. And they had a big family reunion. Happy, happy ending. But the story of Jesus was different. When Jesus said, I pledge my life for each and every one of you. What do we say to Jesus? We nailed him to that cross with our sins. We mocked him. We laughed at him. We beat him. We spit on him. We kicked him. We punched him. We mocked our Jesus and we nailed him to that cross. And Jesus said, is it worth it to die for every single one of us? Jesus still said, yes, it is, because I pledged my life for the safe return of each and every one of you so that you and me, we can be reunited with our Father in heaven. And that's Good Friday. And that's Silent Saturday. But on Easter Sunday, the difference between Jesus and Judah is that Jesus was divine. He was sinless, and God the Father saw a sinless man, His only one and begotten Son. God the Father saw a divine Son and says, I will raise you up from the dead, and you will reign on the throne of heaven with me. Revelations chapter 5. You will sit on that throne, and you will be that pledge for the safety of each and every one of us to return home. You see, <clears throat> then came that morning. If you're going through a dark period of your life, then came that morning that sealed the promise of Genesis, the book of Genesis, that Jesus' buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence of that cave, out of the silence of your life, out of the silence of the darkness, there is a roaring lion. Imagine a cave that it opens and the Lion of Judah comes out and he stands on that cave and he lets out a great big roar. And he declares that the grave has no more hold on me. And every time, and I want to remind each and every one of us today that every time you hear that lion roar, he's declaring in your life that I am your Lord, your God, Jesus Christ. I am your defender. Do you know why lions roar? Lions roar to tell every single, every single other predator 
that this is my territory. This is my kingdom. You come and step in my kingdom, I will fight you to the death. And, and on Easter Sunday, because he was resurrected, Jesus won that final victory. Satan cowered and hid, and Jesus won. And every time you hear the roar of the Lion of Judah, you can almost remember and remind your soul and your spirit that Jesus is your defender. That if you are under attack right now, remind yourself that Jesus, you are my defender. You are my shield and my great rampart. I will run to you, my strong tower, O Lord. Every time the Lion of Judah roar, he is declaring on your life that I am your savior. That if you are in the miry clay, if your, your two feet are in the pit, if you are, find yourself stuck in some sort of bad business deal, you find yourself stuck in, in a problematic family, you find yourself stuck in some problem of your health, remind yourself that God, Jesus Christ, is the Lion of Judah that roars over your life. And He's saying that I am your Savior. I will save you from the miry clay. I will save you from your troubles. All you need to do is come to me, come into my kingdom. I will be your refuge and I will be your strength. And every time you hear that lion roar, He's saying that I am your Redeemer. That if you feel the weight of your guilt, if you feel the weight of your sin, if you feel ashamed that you have done something wrong in the presence of, presence of God, that you have, you have wronged Him, that you have hurt the heart of the Father, the Lion of Judah today, Jesus Christ, roars into your life and He says that I am your Redeemer. I have redeemed you. I have forgiven you by the blood of that Lamb on that cross. I forgive your sins. Only if you would come to me and says, Jesus, will you forgive my sins? He is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you feel like you've got no way out. If you feel today that the only thing that can release the pain of your heart and the pain of your life is the sweet release of death. If you feel that death is your only option out, then I want to declare over your life that the Lion of Judah roars and he declares that the grave has no hold on you. The spirit of death has no hold on you and that He releases you. He rebukes the spirit of death and He says, I will give you life and I will give you sozo and I will give you life abundant if only you would come and believe in this lion. And the lion of Judah roars over your life. Do you believe it? Do you hear the distant roar of the lion? It is said when a physical lion roars, it can be heard eight kilometers away. And I, I believe today, when our spiritual lion roars, it can be heard throughout the galaxy, throughout the universe. And if you are the only person on earth, I still believe that the Lion of Judah will give his life to die for you so that you can be reunited with your Father in heaven. Why? Because your Father in heaven loves you so much. He sent his only one and begotten Son because he loves you so much. Don't forget that. I want to end today with a story, a short story. Permit me. You know, I, 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 I know a couple, a YA couple, just last year. Um, they've got um, complications with their young son, less than a year old. And the young boy developed a liver infection, let's call it that. And the young boy needed a liver transplant 
otherwise he would die. It came to that. After all the diagnosis, after all the prayer, it came to the fact that he needed a transplant, otherwise he would die. And after all the searching, it is found that the father was the only, well, that was the closest match to be a liver donor. And the father, to my amazement, you know, it's once you give a portion of your liver away, you, you can't get it back. The father said, I will give a portion of my liver, I believe it was a third, to my son so that he may live. But there are complications in the operation, there's complications in the surgery, what if, what if, what if, what if you don't, it doesn't matter. And I, in that instant, when I heard those words, I felt the sacrificial love of a father for his son, that a father would give and a father would do anything so that the son will live. And it is the same for our father in heaven, that he sees you, he sees me, he sees us in dire need. And he says, I need to do something so that my children can live. And he sent his one and only begotten son to die for you and to die for me. And on Easter Sunday, that son was raised to sit on the throne with the father and to say, come, Come into the arms of the Father, where there is perfect joy, perfect love, where there is no pain, where there is only gain. And today, He's inviting you. He says, if you, you need a hand. And He says, if you feel like you need that line of Judah to roar in your life, to be your defender, to be your fighter, to be your king, to be your warrior, to be your savior, to be your redeemer, to be your healer, to declare that the grave has no hold on you. If you feel like you need that King Jesus to come and save you, I implore and I urge you to just take a step of faith. Don't walk by sight. If you walk by sight, all you see is misery on this earth, disappointment and discouragement. Walk by faith. If you feel a stirring in your heart, can I ask you to take a step of faith and pray this prayer with me? If you're watching this service with a friend, and if you feel that stirring in your heart, don't be afraid. Just say, raise your hands. That's me. I want to say this prayer for the very first time in my life. I want to receive Jesus into my life for the very first time. That is me. So I encourage you to pray together with me, and there will be a link. If you pray this prayer for the first time, Please give us your details in the link because we want to we want to call you. We want to pray for you. We want to get to know who you are. So if that is you, you want to be saved today. You want the Lion of Judah to fight for you. Pray this with me. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, oh, I'm a sinner. I'm fallen. But I know, Father God, that you died for my sin. I know that you came to earth to die for my sin but you rose on the third day to be seated in heavenly places, to intercede for me, to roar over my life, to give me victory in this life and the next. I receive you, Jesus, into my life. Come, Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior. I follow you all the days 
of my life, I give my life to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, can I encourage you, wherever you are, whatever time you're watching this service, could you fill your details in the link below and we would love to pray for you. If today you need prayer for any reason, I invite you to come into our online prayer room because our leaders and pastors, we are there to pray for you. We want to intercede on your behalf. If you feel lonely, if you feel depressed, if you have a financial need, if you have a health need, a family need, whatever need, we want to pray and we want to connect with you through prayer. Would you join us in our altar call, online altar call room? For everybody else, would you worship with all your heart? God, our living hope. Let's worship. Let us stand in worship. Hallelujah. What a great time of worship. Yes, O oh Lord God. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. And out of the silence, that roaring lion that declared the grave has no more hold on me. We thank you, Jesus, for your message in Easter. We thank you, Jesus, for your obedience to that cross that saved the whole of humanity. I thank you, Jesus, that today the Lion of Judah is standing in the throne of heaven and he's roaring over all our lives, declaring that he is our King and he is our Lord, that anybody who wants to contend with us will need to contend with him. I thank you, Jesus, that we give you praise, glory, and honor. So I pray, Father God, that you separate us now with your blessing. May your face shine upon us. May you uh, uh, watch our going in and watch our going out. May your favor follow us, O Lord Jesus Christ, wherever we go, and may you give a smile of heaven upon our lives. We thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. Have a blessed Easter, everybody. God bless. Have a great lunch or dinner ahead of you with your family. SIBKL, we love you. God bless. See you.